0: Word of God this morning because what I have to say doesn't matter. What God has to say will change your life forever. So with that in mind, I want you to open your copy of the Word of God, if you will, in the New Testament to the book of Romans. And I want you to try to get where you can look on a copy of the Bible this morning. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 6 in a moment, but I want you to put your eyes on it so that you can set your heart on it. As a matter of fact, someone asked me a few moments ago, they said, where are you preaching from this morning? And I told them, Romans 6. And I don't come to this chapter lightly. I never come to God's Word lightly, but Romans 6, I come to this morning not because I began by thinking I'm going to preach this to you. Romans 6 is a chapter God's been using in my life in the last two weeks. As a matter of fact, I'm trying right now. I'm not there yet, but I'm trying right now to memorize Romans chapter 6. And I'm trying to memorize it, not so I can quote it to somebody else. I'm trying to memorize it so I can quote it to myself you memorize to meditate. And Romans chapter 6, I think, I think this, is one of the most powerful chapters in all the Bible on living a victorious Christian life. The book of Romans is an amazing book. It's, it's deep and profound. It is a book about knowing God and who He is and how you can have your sins forgiven. I mean, it's full of theology. And that's why some people stay away from it. Look at me, please. Don't ever stay away from any portion of the Bible because every page of Scripture, God has some message for you. And Romans is rich. As a matter of fact, Romans is probably most famous for what is referred to as the Romans Road. How many of you have ever heard that expression? I'm just curious. All right, good. You know, the Romans, I mean the ancient Romans, they were famous for building Roman roads all over the ancient civilized world, connecting cities and and making it possible so people could could move about and travel in a unique way. Well, in the book of Romans, uh, the book of Romans really gives the Romans' road to salvation. It tells you that you're a sinner, and it tells you you can't save yourself, and it tells you Jesus is the only Savior. It literally shows you the way to know God and have your sins forgiven. Well, this morning, that's not what I'm preaching on. This morning, I want to show you the Romans' road to a victorious life. Because here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced there's a lot of people who've asked God to forgive their sin, and by faith they've received Jesus as their personal Savior, but they are not living the life of victory and power and joy that God intended for them to live. In fact, did you know that you can be a Christian and not be a victorious Christian? You can be a follower of Jesus and not be living the dynamic Christian life that Jesus saved you to live. I said to you that I'm in different places every week, and I I hate to tell you this, But some of the most miserable human beings I've ever met are people that say they're Christians. Why is that? Where is the joy Jesus promised? I'll tell you why it is. Because the most miserable person on earth is not the lost person that's never known God. It is the saved person that knows somewhere deep inside there's got to be more to it than this, but they've not yet entered into that. Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, and Romans chapter 8 Show us that pathway to victory. Look at it with me. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1, it begins with a question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Read the next two words out loud with me, church. Ready? God forbid. Say them again, please. God forbid. That's pretty strong language. He said, wait a minute. If you're a Christian, you're telling me, you're telling me that your sins have been forgiven, but you want to keep living in sin. You're telling me That Jesus is your Savior, but it hasn't changed the way you live your life. We're told in another book, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes into your life, you're never the same again. Now, interestingly enough, if we had time, I'd read to you Romans 3, Romans 4, and Romans 5, because those chapters tell you how to have your sins forgiven. Matter of fact, if I had to boil all of those three chapters down to two words, it'd be these two words, God forgive. Lord, forgive me. Forgive my sin. God forgive. But wait, when you come to Romans chapter 6, Romans 6 begins with God forbid. Watch, please. It's one thing to say, God forgive me, but it's another thing to say, now that I've been forgiven, God forbid that I should go on living like I lived before my sins were forgiven. You see, I want to tell you that God didn't just save you to keep you out of hell. God didn't just save you to take you to heaven someday. God saved you for the here and now. God saved you for himself. When the Lord Jesus Christ came to live in your life, he didn't come to live in your life to simply make your life a little bit better. He came to make your life totally different. The Lord Jesus Christ came to live inside of you on the day of your salvation, and now he wants to live his life out of you the rest of your life. So read on. Look at verse number 2. How shall we that are dead to sin, live any longer therein. Know ye not? So many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, that's a powerful word. It means from this point forward, there's a line in the sand, there's a new birth, there's a new beginning, that henceforth, we should not serve sin. I was thrilled this morning that we had somebody baptized in this meeting. I'm always glad when somebody gets baptized. I'm especially glad when I see a child get baptized. Now, you might think it's really exciting to see adults getting baptized. See, I came to know Jesus as a five-year-old. Somebody took a Bible and told me God loved me and that he would forgive my sin, and I, I was saved as a boy. And I remember the day I got baptized. It was a big day. Matter of fact, I was scared to death of water. Didn't want to put my head underwater. In a Baptist church, it's very hard to get baptized without putting your head underwater. So my mother said, we're going to fix this. And she took me to the local YMCA, and she hired a guy named Bill to give me swimming lessons. And uh, Bill tried his best for weeks to teach me to swim. Finally, one day, he figured out how to do it. He took me down on the deep end of the pool and pushed me in. That was not a very nice thing to do. But I learned to put my head underwater, and I got baptized. And I remember the day that I followed the Lord Jesus in believer's baptism. When you read these verses we just read in Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about being baptized into Jesus Christ and then coming alive a new person in Jesus Christ. He's not just talking about water. Look, please, you can go swimming all your life and be a lost person. You can take a bath every day and be dirty on the inside. You can even get in the baptistry of a church and not be a true believer. That's why when that old Ethiopian in the book of Acts wanted to get baptized, he said, Here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, If if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. You don't get baptized to go to heaven. You believe on Christ to go to heaven. And the baptism is the outward sign of what Jesus has already done on the inside. In fact, when you stand in the water and the water crosses your body, it's like the cross where Jesus died. When you go into that water, it's like Jesus was buried. And hallelujah, when you come out of that water, it's like Jesus was raised from the dead. It's a testimony. It's, it's symbolic. It's like this ring I wear on my finger to let everybody know I'm married and happy about it. I'm, I'm grateful that I have a wife and a good wife. And when you obey the Lord Jesus in baptism, what you're saying is, look, there was a day I was dead in my sins. I, I wasn't just a little bad. I was dead in my sins and incapable of saving myself. But on the day I came to Jesus, I was placed in into Christ. I was buried with Jesus Christ. God buried my sin in the sea of his forgetfulness. I like that. My granddaddy used to say, and he put up a no fishing sign. In other words, he didn't want you pulling them up anymore either. And then when I came up, it's a picture of the fact that I've come alive a new person in Jesus. You see, your baptism means something. It ought to mean something to you. It's why we baptize in this way. It's why, why we immerse, because it's a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. If you get saved and you get baptized and it makes no lasting difference in the way you live your life, do you really think that's what God intended? Absolutely not. Let's use words of Scripture. God forbid. And so we come to our text. Would you look at it with me? Romans chapter 6. Verse number 7 says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. (laughs) I like that. Did you know dead people don't have anything to worry about? Did you know dead people don't struggle? Dead people don't have to get up in the morning and worry what they're going to do that day? Why? There's a a freedom. He that is dead is free. Look, he that is dead in Christ, free from sin. Look at verse 8. Matter of fact, let's all read verse 8 out loud loud together. Ready? Verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. And here are the words I want to draw your attention to this morning. It captured me this week. In fact, I've been, I've been musing on this all week long. I wish I had I wish I wish had days to talk to you about these three words. But in a few moments, I'm going to try to explain to you what God's teaching me right now. It's the last three words of verse number 8. Would you mark them in your Bible? The Bible says that we live with Him. We don't just die with Him. We what? We live with Him. Got on an airplane in Chicago this week coming here. Excuse me, I was in Charlotte. I sat down in my seat and a fellow got on the plane. I was on in front of him and, and he said to me, that's my seat over next to the window. And, and he, was, he, was, he was a talker. Let me tell you, he was a talker. I had planned to get some work done on the flight. I don't think I got anything done on that flight. We got on, and he looked at me, and he said, what do you do for a living? Actually, the way he started was he said, you must be a public speaker. And I laughed, and I said, why do you say that? He said, well, just the way you speak. And I said, well, I'm not just a public speaker. I'm a preacher. And you know, when you tell people you're a preacher on an airplane, they either want to get off, or they're really glad to be sitting next to you. This fella, his eyes lit up, He laid his briefcase and his laptop to the side. He said, you and I got a lot to talk about. And I thought, heaven help me. He said to me, my father is a unity minister. And he said, I've been thinking a lot and studying a lot about all the five main religions in the world. He wanted to go through them and talk about when each one of them started and on and on and on and on. Finally, after he finished telling me everything everybody else believed and what his daddy believed, I said, what do you believe? 55 years of age he was. I said, do you believe there's a God? He said, well, I think out there somewhere there's a God, there's a greater being, there's a a force, there's a power. I said, well, let me tell you what I believe. I said, I don't only believe there is a God. I believe that God revealed himself in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, hold on to your seat because I'm really going to blow your mind. I believe that God lives inside of me now. I wish you could have seen the look on his face. It was a beautiful picture at that moment. I said to him, now, I'm traveling alone, but I'm actually never alone because there was a day 38 years ago that Christ came to live with me, and now he goes with me everywhere I go. In fact, the Bible says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, amen. He said that he promised he would never leave us. Look, never means never. And God never lies, and God always keeps his word. He says that he would never leave me, and he would never forsake me. What does it mean? It means that every day of my life, I have the glorious privilege, oh, 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 and not only the privilege, but the great and sobering responsibility to live with him. As a boy growing up, I heard lots of preachers use an expression. As a matter of fact, when I first started preaching, I used it a lot, and I've tried to break myself of the habit. Not that I think it's a terrible expression. I just think it's one word off. I used to hear people say this, live for Jesus. How many of you have ever heard somebody say that? Live for Jesus. And I'm on a crusade against that, that particular expression, live for Jesus. I understand what they mean by that. They mean by that, give your whole life to God and live your life in such a way so that others can see Christ in you. Live your life for Jesus and give your life to something that counts and someone that can make it count. But I think there's a better way to say it. It's God's way. Don't you think God's word's better than man's way? When God says it here in this verse, he doesn't say live for him. He says live what? With him. The preposition is a revelation. Every word of Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and every word reveals something about God's way. Oh, this is wonderful. If somebody says live for Jesus, then it's all about what you can do, your effort and your energy and and your ability and your level of dedication. But to say, no, no, I've learned to live with Christ, Means that I am conscious that I am nothing and He is everything that I cannot, but He can, and if I will allow Him to, He will live that victorious life through me. The Apostle Paul said, I want you to understand something that you're not just trying to live a little better, you are literally living with Christ. I was in my hotel room yesterday afternoon after our sessions, and I was preparing to speak to you this morning. I was literally had my Bible open to this portion of Scripture, and I was just looking and meditating and making a few notes, and I got a text message from a friend, and he sent me a quote by a man I had never heard of before, an old Scottish preacher, a man whose name I had never heard, but this was the quote, and my friend had no idea what I was preaching on this morning, and I looked at it, I read it, and I started laughing because I said that is exactly what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter number 6, and frankly, if if I may be very transparent, I just had a good time, me and Jesus, there in the hotel room all by myself because I was conscious of the fact the Lord was with me. Here's what this old man, Donald Cargill, said. He said, I have been a man of great sins. Let's stop and ask, how many of you have great sins? Raise your hand big and high, please. Good. And the person next to you didn't raise their hand. They're lying right now, so they're sinning at this moment, all right? We're all sinners. We're all men and women of great sins. He said, I have been a man of great sins, but he has been a God of great mercies, And now through his mercies, I Have a conscience as sound and quiet, get this, as if I had never sinned. Do you know it's possible that God could do such a work of grace in your life? Not that you, you get to the place where you never sin, but you understand your sin is covered by the mercy of Jesus Christ, and it begins to radically change the way you live your life every day. And I have no idea who I'm speaking to here this morning, and folks that are watching online, but I want to tell you that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And you may be the worst sinner on earth, but Jesus is the great Savior of sinners. When John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, came to the end of his life, his mind was starting to slip. He was struggling to remember names and places and dates. But he said to his family, I remember two things. I remember that I am a great sinner and he is a great Savior. I like that. That's two pretty good things to remember. Richard Sibbs, the old Puritan, said there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. And I want to stop and say thank you, Jesus, for that. And God has made a way so that I can live with him. What does that mean? Well, let me give you very quickly three simple thoughts. Would you make a note of them somewhere? These are the things God's been teaching me this week as I've meditated on Romans chapter 6 and verse number 8. Number 1, when I think about living with him, it reminds me of his presence. It reminds me that God is not a distant God. He is a near God. He is a God at hand, but He is very present. He is a very present help in time of trouble. I don't know about you, but in the world we're living in right now, I'm glad God has not left us to our own devices. I am thrilled when I watch the news that I have a God that is greater than all of that. The Lord says, I'm with you. Look, please, the only way you can live with Him is first He came to live with you. I remember the day that Jesus came to live in me. I would have explained it all this way. That day, I didn't understand it all that day. But let me tell you what happened to me. A lady showed me from the Bible that Jesus didn't just die. He died for my sin. And that he didn't just raise from the dead. He rose from the dead for my salvation. Oh, that was a good day. The old hymn writer said, glad day, glad day when Jesus washed my sins away. That was the day for me. And that day as a boy, I bowed my head. And I invited the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my life and be my personal Savior. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. Look, you get the door open, Jesus comes in. And wait, wait, he doesn't just come in, he comes in to stay. Did you know when the Lord moves into your house, your heart, he doesn't rent, he buys And he doesn't move in and out, in and out, in and out. No, no, he moves in to stay. And for the record, when he moves in, he brings all of his own furniture. He does a big remodel project. He wants rid of all your junk. See, in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, Paul said. But let me tell you, one good thing is in me. His name is Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ brings his presence to bear in my life. And he stays with me forever. That's why it's called eternal life. Well, that's not all. That's not all. That's just the entry point. (laughs) Look, I know people that think as long as they pray a prayer and get saved, they say, well, that's it for me. No, friend, that's the beginning. That's just the beginning of everything God has for you. The Bible says the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. Our God is the God of much more. Here's the second truth the Holy Spirit's impressed on me this week. When the Bible says we live with Him, it's not only a word about His presence, it is also a word about His promise. There's a future tense in this as well. I am this week turning 44 years of age. At this juncture in my life, I'm starting to think more about the finish line than I am the starting blocks. You know what I'm talking about? I've crossed a threshold in my life now, and I'm looking at my children growing up, and I'm realizing this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, and sometime soon... I'm going to leave this world. and I'm not getting a bus loaded up to go today. I want to live as long as possible. But I understand eternity is out there. See, most people get real consumed with this world and forget there's a world to come. And they get, they get all consumed with time, and they forget eternity. They live their life with this little parenthesis, but they miss the rest of the story. I want to say to you, the believer has much to look forward to. The greatest day of your life is going to be the day you see Jesus Christ face to face. It means no matter how old you are, the best day of your life is still ahead of you. See, because the greatest day is going to be the day you're going to be with Jesus. So watch this, please. There's not only in this expression, live with him his presence, there is also a promise. What is the promise, John 14? Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you, watch this, unto myself. But where I am, there you may be also. Somebody said, preacher, where's heaven? Wherever Jesus is. And how will you know when you've gotten there? when I kneel at the nail-pierced feet of Jesus Christ, and I will be with him for all eternity. Do you understand, church, God has always wanted to be with his people? He's never wanted sin to separate men from God. That's why God used to come walking through the garden in the cool of the day to talk to Adam and Eve. He wanted to be with them. It's why Israel had a tabernacle and then a temple. God wanted to be with them. It's why Jesus is named Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to be with us. It's why he sent the Holy Spirit to live in every believer. And it's why Jesus is coming again. Because the Lord has promised he's going to make a way. So we will not be separated from him. We can live with him for all eternity. I'm going to tell you, this thing of being a Christian, it's a pretty good deal. He comes to live with you for all of your life, and then you get to go live with him for all eternity. How can you beat that? Christ in you now and you with him forever. When you look at Romans 6, it is not just about the future. As a matter of fact, look back at our verse. Everybody put your eyes on Romans chapter 6, verse number 8. What is the first word, church? Would you say it aloud? What's the word? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What's the word? Now. That's a present tense word. Look at the verse. Now. If we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. I like this. You don't have to wait till you die to have joy, victory, and power. You can have it when, church? Now. God's salvation is not future tense. Hey, you got eternal life, not when you die, but the moment you got saved, Christ came to live inside of you. And what does that mean? It means that living with him is not just about heaven, it's about right where you are. So Here's the great truth. Would you write it down? To live with him not only reminds me of his presence and his promise, but thirdly, of his power. That's really what Romans chapter 6 is all about It's about the power that Jesus Christ gives to us to live as more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hey, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody said, man, this world's bad. Yes, this world's bad. It's always been bad. And evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. But I'm going to tell you this morning, God is still good and God is greater than everything in this world. And you say, well, my sin is awful. Sin is always awful. It becomes exceedingly sinful to us. The closer we get to God, the more we see how wicked our own hearts are. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is greater than all of that, and he will give you power over the sin in your life. Some of you, you've professed faith in Christ for a long time, but you're still living in the bondage of sin. and You've made excuses for it long enough. You've said, well, I'm better than most. It's not as bad as it used to be. Or how about this one? That's just the way I was made. You know, that's just the way I am. There's another word for that. It's called sin nature. Stop excusing it. We like to be hard on everybody else's sin and easy on our own. Let me tell you what you've got to do. You've got to see your sin like God sees it and hate it like God hates it and believe that God, who is great enough to keep you out of hell someday, is great enough to give you power today. And I came to tell God's people this morning, But as long as you're living with him, Jesus Christ will give you the power to overcome sin and the wicked one. Let me show you something. Just stay with me a second. Back up to the first part of verse number 6, and look at this. Knowing this, that our old man is, would you mark this phrase, crucified with him. Underline that, you were crucified with him. Come to the beginning of verse 8 and mark this expression, dead with Christ. Wait a minute, back up to verse 4. Therefore we are what? Buried with him. Then come back down to the end of verse 8, and we what? Live with him. Man, I like this. Look, please. I was crucified with him. I was dead with him. I was buried with him, but praise God, now I what? I live with him. Do you understand when Jesus Christ died at the cross, he didn't just die for you, he died as you, that on that day he identified himself with you. I don't know about you, that blows my mind. It boggles my mind to think the creator God of the universe would want to identify with a little pipsqueak like me, a little little insignificant speck of lint on the page of human history and a sinner that had lived in rebellion to him. But that's what Jesus did on the cross. He identified with me. And watch this. When you come to Jesus Christ, then you identify with him. When Jesus died, I died there with him. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Because I didn't just die with him, I was buried with him. And we got, when he got out of that grave alive forevermore, I rose from the dead with him on that day. What does that mean? It means, church, you have resurrection power living inside of you. I'm not talking about some spooky, mystical, Chill up your spine. I'm talking about a living person living inside of you and the reality that his resurrection power is at your disposal. So stop living a defeated Christian life and understand as long as you're living with him, you have everything that you need in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, notice what he does when he comes to live in you. The Bible says in verse 7, He that is dead is freed from sin. He frees you from something. He frees you from sin. You're no longer under its hold. Sin doesn't have to dominate you anymore. Sin doesn't have to be your slave master anymore. You're free from all of that. Well, that's not all. Look at verse ten. For in that He died, He died in His sin once. But in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. I've done this in my Bible. I've drawn a line from live with Him in verse eight to live unto God in verse number ten. Watch this, please. When you start really walking with Jesus Christ every day, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. You're going to stop living your life for yourself. You're going to stop living your life for your pleasures. You're going to stop living your life to please everybody else, and you're going to live your life unto God. It's all unto God. What is this? It's power, friends. See, God didn't just free you from something. He frees you to something. Oh, I love this. He didn't just free you from sin. He frees you to live your entire life to God. May I testify just a moment? Jesus Christ has changed my life. And I said to that man on the plane the other day, you want me to debate with you and argue with you and talk to you about science and all those other things, but let's get to the bottom line. The bottom line is I'm not traveling for my health or I want to leave my family and go somewhere this week. I'm traveling to tell people about a real person who has changed my heart from the inside out. His name is Jesus. And I want to say to you today, whoever you are and whatever you've done and wherever you are spiritually, Jesus Christ is more than enough if you will simply learn to live with him. Let me share one thing, and I'll be done. Turn over to Colossians real quick. Just go to, to the right in your New Testament a little bit. with me to Colossians chapter 3, because this is the rest of the story. Anybody remember Paul Harvey, the old radio commentator? Man, I used to love to listen to Paul Harvey. He could tell a story like nobody could tell a story. And he'd get you to that dramatic pause, and then he'd say, and now for what? The rest of the story. Well, here's the rest of the story. Look at Colossians 3, verse 1. If you then be risen, notice the word with Christ. Remember, I said you didn't just die with him, buried with him, you were raised with him, you're risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Would you mark it? In verse 1, you're risen with Christ. In verse 3, you're hidden with Christ. And look at verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear. What's the next two words, church? With him in glory. Sounds like God's trying to show us something, doesn't it? With him, with him, with him. I started living with him on the day I came to know Jesus. I keep living with him every day I live on this planet because he's with me. And someday I'm going to go live with him for all eternity. I was crucified with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. Get this. I ascended with him. And at this moment, I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And someday, very soon, the trumpet's going to sound. Did you know it could be today? Wouldn't you love for it to happen before I finish preaching this morning? This would be a great place to go from, you know. I wouldn't fly back to the East Coast. I'd just meet my wife and kids in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That'd be great. Trumpet's going to sound, a shout's going to ring out, Jesus is going to step out in a cloud. And guess where we're going? Somebody says, we're going to heaven. No, we're going to be with him. Because the great message of all the Bible is this, how man can live with a holy God, how sinners can come to know the righteous one. Oh, friends. There is nothing in this world like living with him. And that's not just some pie-in-the-sky theory I'm talking about. This ought to change the way you live your life every day. Look at the rest of Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, hey, if you're really living with Jesus, it's going to change the way you live your life. Go back to our text, and we'll end here. Look at Romans chapter 6 again. Keep reading. After he talks about living with him, he says in verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof, neither yield ye you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of un- of righteousness unto God. Watch it. For sin, praise God. Look at verse 14: For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. I'm not bound by my lust, and I'm not bound by the law. Why? Because I'm living with Jesus. I become one with Christ, and Christ lives in me. I have his power. to Live a victorious Christian. life. In about three minutes, I intend to ask every person that's listening to me to respond. (laughs) And you say, not me. Then you've made your decision. But if you're breathing... I'm going to ask you to respond because, see, I don't think you can be neutral on the truth, and I'm going to ask you to do one of two things. Some of you are not sure your sins are forgiven. Some of you are not positive that you have this kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know today, today, if you'll open the door of your heart, Jesus Christ will come to live inside of you. That's where you need to begin. But I'm talking to a lot of Christians today, a lot of great Christians in a wonderful church, In the secret place of your heart, you'd say, there's that sin I've tried to get victory over, but I'm still struggling with it. There's that area of my life that it seems like I cannot conquer. There's that thing that keeps bothering me. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, if you would say to the Lord, Lord, I believe that you are more than enough for that. And I'm going to claim your power to live with you this week and let you conquer that area of my life. One of my favorite songwriters there's a man who's in heaven now named P.P. P. Bliss. P.P. P. Bliss was in his 30s when the great evangelist D.O. Moody got acquainted with him. And Moody said he was just one of the greatest songwriters and song leaders he'd ever seen. As a matter of fact, Pastor, in Tennessee in the museum there on the college campus, we actually had P.P. P. Bliss's pump organ. The little tiny organ, travel organ that he traveled with. P.P. P. Bliss wrote some of my favorite hymns. One year just before Christmas, he and his sweet wife went to the Northeast to conduct a meeting. They were coming home. They were in Ashtabula, Ohio. I've been to the place. They were on board a train crossing a railroad trussle, and it had been snowing. The snow was so heavy that the railroad trussle gave way. And that train, every car of it, plummeted to the bottom of that ravine. It was an old wooden train. When it hit the bottom, it caught fire. Fire started spreading from car to car to car. P.P. Bliss got free, climbed out of the car, turned around to reach in for his wife and realized she wasn't behind him. He crawled back in. She was pinned. She Couldn't free herself. He tried in vain. He could not free her. If I remember correctly, P.P. Bliss was about 35, 36 years of age. He sat down next to his wife and he said, Sweetheart, if you're going to heaven today, we're going to go together. He refused to leave her side, and they both died in that fire. Somebody said, so, so he's dead. Actually, P.P. P. Bliss is not dead. He's more alive than he's ever been. He's just with Jesus right now. P.P. Bliss understood something about living with Christ. I've not heard this hymn in years, and you may not even know it. You may not even know the tune of it, but yesterday while I was studying, for some reason, this song came to my mind. And when the song came to my mind, I had to look it up to see who wrote it, and I was surprised to find out that one of my favorites wrote it. P.P. P. Bliss wrote these words. Here's what he wrote Free from the law. Oh, happy condition. Jesus hath bled, and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, grace hath redeemed us once for all. Now we're free, there's no condemnation. Jesus provides a perfect salvation. Come unto me. Oh, hear his sweet call. Come and he saves us once for all. Children of God, oh, glorious calling. Surely his grace will keep us from falling, passing from death to life It is called blessed salvation once for all. I like the chorus. Once for all, oh, sinner, receive it. Once for all, oh, friend, now believe it. Cling to the cross. The burden will fall. Christ hath redeemed us. Once and for all. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of social, moral, even political things I could stand up here and talk to you about today, but none of that would help you for eternity. It won't even help you much for time. But if you look to Jesus, he'll meet every need of your life for time and for all eternity because he makes it so you can live with him. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty.